go to heaven? Thank you. You want to go to hell? No. No, thank you. He challenged also us, what if you woke up today with only the things you thank God for yesterday? Think about that. If all you thank God for yesterday was the food, then I submit to you, we're all dead. Because we take it for granted, we don't even thank God for the air that we breathe, right? We assume that God will provide it. Oh, but God, you have to provide it for us. If not, we're going to die. So we don't bother to thank God for the air that we breathe. We Did you thank God for your family, for your wife, for your kids, for your job, that your car still starts? You're still able to get to work? You're still able to go home from work? Or do we just take those things for granted? See, the challenge to us was, you cannot say thank you. You will not be able to say thank you for anything and everything, which is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, according to 1 Thessalonians, unless you have an undivided heart. Why? You will take things for granted. You will not attribute everything and anything that you have to God. So it takes an undivided heart to have a thankful heart. It's an attitude of gratitude. And you can only have an undivided heart if you have the faith to do so. Because faith is knowing God and His Word. To be a doer of it, you have to know God's Word. You have to be a doer of it in spite of adverse circumstances. Or even if it hurts. Did you get that? To know God's Word, to do it, even if it hurts. This morning I'd like to share with you a message that I've entitled The Intimacy of an Undivided Heart. The Intimacy of an Undivided Heart. Many of us have had our hearts broken. That's different from being or having an undivided heart. When the person that we love breaks off the engagement or breaks off the relationship, our hearts are broken. But God will mend that heart. That's not an undivided heart. And in obedience and honor of God's word, why don't we all stand and read our passage this morning? In Ezekiel 11:17 to 20, let us all read. Therefore, And I Heavenly Father, we thank you for the freedom that we have in worshiping you. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. May it pierce our heart, Lord God, cause us understanding that leads to obedience. And I again confess my inability to preach your word apart from the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. Teach us, Lord God, speak to us, meet us at whatever level we need to meet with you. But my prayer, Lord God, is none of us, not one of us, will leave this change and play and Leave this place unchanged by the power of your Holy Spirit. We commit to you, Lord, the balance of our worship of you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. You may be seated. Here we read from the book of Ezekiel, the promise of God that He will gather His people unto Himself. After He had scattered them, after He had allowed them to be subjugated by other powers, God promised that He would bring them back. And then He said, when the time comes, in verse 19, I will give them one heart. In other translations, in the NIV, it says, I will give them an undivided heart. Oneness of heart. And what will happen? I will put a new spirit with them, within them. I will take the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. That they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances. Why is God going to give you a new heart? So that you and I may walk in His ways. And look at the intimacy coming from a united or undivided heart. Then they will be my people. And I shall be their God. Do you see the personal and intimate relationship that springs forth from having an undivided heart? What is an undivided heart? Undivided. Not divided, not separated or disunited, unbroken, whole, continuous, as plains, undivided by rivers or mountains. Not set off as a share in a firm, not made actually separate by division as partners, owing one half in a firm, is said to own an undivided half so long as the business continues and his share is not set off to him. It also means not directed to or given to more than one object as undivided attention or affection. Not lobed, clept, or branched. It means entire. I like number three. Not directed or given to more than one object as undivided attention or affection. You want to see a picture of an undivided heart? Here it is. Do you share your toothbrush? Yes or no? It's exclusively for you. Right? It's for you and nobody else. Nobody, nobody, but It's only for you. Nobody should use it aside from you. It's dedicated to you. Nobody should use it. Go to Costco or 7-Eleven or something. Buy your own toothbrush. Ah, Pastor, in our place, we don't share toothbrush. What do you share? Floss. Same idea. You don't share floss. Man. Once you use it, you throw it away. Okay, let's get a little bit serious about here. Do you know this person? What's his name? As if obvious, no? His name is General Petraeus. You know what happened to him? He resigned. He is a bemedaled general, commander of the United States forces in Afghanistan. And he became the head of the CIA. Why did he resign? He got involved with this lady who happens to be his biographer. But he had an affair with this lady. And he's married. His heart became divided. How many of you have this at the end of your necklace? 
What do we call this? This is a locket. Like a pendant. So who would you probably have, or whose picture would you probably, or you should have over there? If this were my locket, ah, 1950s yeah, 1950s. They 60s yeah, 60s. Costume party yan, kaya nakaganyan. Alright, it was her 50th birthday, and we were supposed to all come in a costume. Now what if, this is my locket, and of course, that's my wife of 30 years. But you have another side there, right? Who do you, or should, whom should you expect to be there? Either me, my kids. Why? This is my family. This is with whom I am intimate with. But what if... Oh. Oh. Lalagay ko sana si Gangnam pero Look. Are you understanding what I'm trying to communicate here? When you commit to someone, it's not part-time. It's not only on good days or on bad days, it's for the long haul. My heart should be undivided towards my wife with whom I should be intimate. This kind of locket expresses my divided heart, that my allegiance, my commitment, is not only directed towards one person. How important is an undivided heart? Look at what God says in Exodus 20, 1-3. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You and I should have an undivided heart towards God. Our sole allegiance should be to God. You shall have what? No other gods beside God. But what do we do? We replace God with the God of money. We replace God with the God of pleasure. We replace God with the God of power. How important is an undivided heart? Well, there was a man, a lawyer, who came to Jesus. And he said, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test. Now, I don't know what this speaks about lawyers, why they would put people to the test. You know? And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How, is, how does it read to you? So here is a lawyer. He comes to Jesus and tests Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? So what is the question, the most important question that this lawyer wants to find out about? What? Eternal life. He goes to the right person. He asks the right question in a sense because he says, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And this is what Jesus answered. And he answered, you shall love the Lord with... Can we read that? With... And... And... 
and and love your neighbor as yourself. An undivided heart is key to salvation. It is imperative to have an undivided heart. You either trust Jesus or don't trust Him at all. Or you trust Jesus and then you have finger bet on other people. I also trust this religion. I also trust that person. You cannot. It's Jesus or nothing as far as salvation is concerned. Jesus said, you will love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your might. It cannot be 95%. It cannot even be 99%. It has to be 100%. Second, look at this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, what? He cannot be my disciple. Having an undivided heart is also key and critical and imperative to discipleship. You cannot be a true follower of Jesus Christ if you're not fully committed, if your heart is undivided, if your heart is divided. Whom will I follow? Wait a minute. Is it going to be me or is it going to be God? Who are you supposed to be following if you are if you consider yourself to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. An undivided heart is key to salvation as much as it is key to discipleship, to becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ told us in Matthew, have you ever encountered a road sign like this? Or a street sign like this? Does it come out in your DMV examination? Daddy, you have been with the DMV before? May ganito ba? Wala. It's either left or right. If you encounter, oops, where will I go? Will I go straight? Will I turn left? Will I turn right? The road signs are supposed to direct you. This sign is going to confuse you. Jesus said in Matthew 6.24, No one can what? Serve two masters. Why? Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. If you choose to have two masters, you want to see how you will look like? Let me show you this video. Brad, are you ready? You will be like this person. Be careful. Where would you be without me? Well, well, 
it was me. We survived because of me. Not anymore. What did you say? Master looks after us now. We don't need you. What? Leave now and never come back. No. Leave now and never come back. Leave now and never come back. Catch him? He's listening to two. He doesn't know what to do. He's listening to two voices. You have to have an undivided heart. You, so, so Philippines, I'm from Bacolod, so his name is not Smigol. Smigol. Can you identify? I mean, if you have two masters, who are you really listening to? The Bible is clear. It is explicit. You will love the one and hate the other. You will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This morning, I'd like for us to take a look at some biblical characters. And let's see. What kind of hearts they had. First, this is King Saul. Now, the, the prophet Samuel told him to go ahead, wait seven days, and Samuel will offer up the burnt offering, then he can proceed in the war. But he was pressured, at least that's what he said. He was pressured to do the burnt offering even if he was not authorized to do so. So Samuel said, Samuel said to Saul, you have acted foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. So Saul disobeyed. And the kingdom was removed from Saul. So I would say that Saul didn't have a heart for God. He was full of pride. So he did not obey God. He did not wait for the prophet Samuel to do what only Samuel was authorized to do. And that was only the beginning. When God told him to kill all the tribe of Amalek, he thought to himself that he had fully obeyed because he did everything but spared King Agag. In his mind, he had obeyed, but in truth and in God's eyes, 
he did not. He didn't really have a heart for God. So God raised another king. This time, David. David king killed Goliath and David was anointed king. But not until Saul had died. Because David knew that if he would sit on the throne, it would not be at his own doing. God would do something to King Saul that David would assume the kingdom. But then, David was now king. They said, it's good to be the king. What did he do? Starry, starry night. Painted flowers, blue and gray. Who did he see? Bathsheba. And what did he do? He got Bathsheba. Bathsheba got pregnant. He called for the husband from the war. He lied. He cheated. He killed. He manipulated people. He told people to lie. But then how does God call David? After he had removed him, Saul, he raised up David to be their king concerning whom he also testified and said. Can we read this? I have. You see, having an undivided heart does not mean that you will be perfect. It means that you must be committed. And if you read the life of David, every time he sinned, every time he was confronted, each time he confessed, and he never did it again. Doesn't mean you have to be perfect. How many of us here are perfect? None of us. I don't care how long you've been in the Lord. None of us are perfect. But are you committed to do the will of God? Is your heart completely devoted to God? Look at what God speaks about David. A man after my heart who will do what? All my will. David had a son. His name was Solomon. He would succeed David. And David told his son Solomon, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father, and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. What did King David advised his son, King Solomon. Know the Lord your God. Serve him with a whole heart. So what did King Solomon do? The wisest man who ever lived. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. As the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David his father had done. You have Saul who had really no heart for God from the very beginning. You have David, sinner as he was, who was fully committed and devoted to God, and God called him a man after God's own heart. And you have King Solomon, whom I submit to you, had only a half heart for God. 
he was not fully committed to the Lord. He was told that when you marry, you marry within your people. But Queen Sheba, 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 Sheba. So he married her and he had more wives. And what did these wives do? He moved his heart away from God and towards their gods. At the end of his life, he did not fully obey God. In the book of Daniel, there are three people. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The olden times, Larry, Moe, and Curly Joe. They were taken captive in Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar, he built a monument to himself. And there was a decree, you must bow down in worship to my statue. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not. He said, if it if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. So his Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego tell King Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to bow down. The cost would be, if you don't bow down, you will be thrown in the fiery furnace. We're not going to bow down. If it's so, the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. But look at their commitment in verse 18. But even if He does not, let it be known to you, O King, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Do they have an undivided heart? We will not bow down. Our God can save us, but even if we will not, we will still not bow down to your gods. We have only one God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Peter and John. In the New Testament, they were preaching about the risen Christ. And the religious people of the time, they arrested them and put them in jail. And they warned them and they summoned them. They commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, you be the judge. Why? For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now you will be arrested. Here in America, you're not arrested if you preach. You try to go to Saudi Arabia. You try to bring your Bible. You will literally lose your head. You will. I know of somebody, his Bible, he removed the cover. And then he put principles of accounting. Because he's an accountant. And his job brought him to Saudi Arabia. Why would Peter and John be so bold to tell the religious leaders of their time, we're not going to do what you ask. We cannot stop talking about what we have seen. We cannot, speak, we cannot stop preaching and speaking about Jesus Christ. Why? What was common to them? Now they observed the confidence of Peter and John, understood that they were uneducated, untrained, but they were amazed and began to recognize them as what? Having been with Jesus. The boldness that they came, that they have, came from their intimate three-year relationship with Jesus. These have been 
with Jesus. These are untrained, unskilled, untaught, but they have been with Jesus. You don't need to be a pastor to be with Jesus. You can be with Jesus right here and right now. And you can be whom God wants you to be if you're only committed and have an undivided heart towards our God. Paul, the persecutor of the new church, he said, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be, what? A bond servant of Christ. Someone who chooses to be a servant. He said, if I'm just going to please you guys, I'm not going to be a servant of God. Do you see the undivided heart of God? Of, of Paul towards the gospel? He's going to preach it no matter what. I'm not going to bow down to you. I'm not going to give in to the Sanhedrin or the Jewish religious council of whom I used to be a part. I'm not going to give in because I've found Jesus. And if I give in to you, I would not be a servant of God. Now, why would you, why would I want to have an undivided heart? We've learned that it's essential to salvation. It's also essential to discipleship. But may I share with you some benefits of an undivided heart. You like the benefits? Alright. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9. Can we read this? What does God want to do? What does God want to do? He wants to fully support you. He wants to bless you. He wants to flood your life with blessings. But what's the condition? Your heart must be what? Completely His. Your heart must be fully devoted to Him. And look at the verse. He's looking for you. The eyes of the Lord go through and fro throughout the earth looking for people whom He will support whose heart are completely His. God is looking for you. He wants to fully support you. This is the story about Caleb. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But he said, I followed the Lord my God, fully. Of the twelve spies, only Joshua and Caleb gave a good report. Yes, there are Nephilim. Yes, there are people over there. But God is with us. We can do it. He was fully committed. Why? Because God was with them. But the other ten gave a report and the hearts of the people melted. But Joshua and Caleb followed their God fully. And what does he say in verse 11? I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. By this time, Caleb was already 85 years old. Daddy, how old are you? 84! 84! But Daddy, I submit to you, if your heart is fully committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and all of us, God will continue to give us the strength to finish the work that He has given to us while we are alive on this earth. 
Just as he has been with Joshua and Caleb. And in Joshua chapter 1, God told Joshua, I will be with you as I was with my servant Moses. I will be as intimate with you as I was intimate with my servant Moses. And God is telling us, He will be intimate with you if you seek Him. And He's looking for you. And He will give you the strength to continue the work until your work here on earth is completed. Moses, in Hebrews 12, 24-26, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. 26. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because he was looking ahead to his reward. How many, how many of us know the term opportunity loss? You have an opportunity and you don't avail of it, you don't act on your opportunity, then you have lost the opportunity, whatever it is. Here is Moses. He first assessed the opportunity cost. Live in the mountains and live among sheep or live in the palace as the prince of Egypt. Nice life, well-to-do life, provided life, secure life. <laughs> life. Forty years in Egypt, forty years in the desert, talking to sheep. What would you choose? From a human perspective, I submit to you, you would rather stay in the palace and be regarded as Pharaoh's son. You have the signet ring, you have your chariot, you have your bodyguards, people to feed you, people to bathe you, people to perfume you. There you will smell of sheep. But what did Moses do? He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ, of greater value. The treasures of Egypt, why? He was looking ahead towards his reward. Hebrews 11.6 tells us what? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For everyone who comes to Him must believe that He is, and what? And that He is a rewarder. Investment. What is an investment? Setting aside present enjoyment for future gain. That's an investment. If I have money now, I can spend it now. That's it. If I have money now and I choose to set it aside, savings, investment or whatever, down the line, I will have money. Moses chose to be what? A shepherd. To suffer disgrace. Why? Because he knew that there was a reward coming. If he did not, he would not have he would not have the chance to see the burning bush. He would not have the chance to encounter God. He would not have the chance to see how God would work. 
parting the Red Sea, guiding His people by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He would not have been able to see the people bringing Joshua bringing them to the promised land. Again, Moses was not perfect. But he chose to be disgraced for the sake of Christ because he was looking forward to a reward. Bible tells us that we will live on this earth 70, 80. How long, if you are in Christ, how long will you spend, how much time will you spend with God? So which is the better investment? Invest, invest for the earth or invest for heaven? Invest for heaven. That's the better reward. And remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? If you, have an, if you have an undivided heart for God, look at the opportunity that God might give you. Nebuchadnezzar, because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood their ground, and God will save us, but even if He does not, we will not bow to your God. And God spared Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They threw the three in the fire. They were tied. But then they were walking around. And someone like the Son of Man was in the fire with them. And King Nebuchadnezzar asked them to be brought out. And they didn't even smell of fire. And King Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating the king's command and yielding up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any other God except their own. If you have an undivided heart, my brothers and sisters, I submit to you that God can glorify himself through you. An unbelieving pagan king would command that God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be glorified. And he further issued a decree. If anyone speaks against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be the one who will be put in jail. Imagine the opportunity and the privilege that you, can, uh, that you and I can have if we are fully committed to God with an undivided heart. Even unbelievers, even your worst persecutor might come to faith because of your example, because of your commitment, because of your undivided heart for God. What else? Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. Intimacy, if you're in the presence of God, you will be provided for, you will be at peace, and you will be distinguished. Will you be distinguished? Will you prosper? Look at what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king, it was the pagan king who caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper. Why? Because they stood their ground. Because they stood their ground. Their heart did not waver. They were fully committed to God, no matter what. 
So how? How do we have an undivided heart? Well, we gotta ask. We sang about it this morning. Look at the prayer. Can we read that? Psalm 86 verse 11. Teach me your way. So what do you need to do if you want an undivided heart for God? You gotta ask. Ask, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Give me a totally undivided heart that I may fear your name. You have to ask. Doesn't happen naturally. You have to ask God. You have to tell God, God, my heart is divided. But I don't want to live my Christian life that way. I want you and you alone. Give me a totally undivided heart. Second, seek. Seek after God. God is already looking for you. But many times, what do we do? We run away. Run, Samson, run. Delilah's on her way. So God is pursuing us. Pursue God in return. And guess what? You will find Him. Look at Jeremiah 29.13. You will seek me and find me on what condition? If you search for me with what? All your heart. So many times we look for God. We look for God. And then, when we find God, I don't like. We look for God. We look for... What? Submit to my husband? Ah, no. We look for God. We look for God. Love my wife as Christ loved the church? Ah, no, no. Dito naman sa kabila. Search for God. Search for God. Obey my parents and honor them? Ah, malabo niya. Search for God. Search for God. Give the first fruit. Ako, 10%. That's too expensive. No, no, no. Never mind. Never mind. I look for a church 5%. Black Friday sale. <laughs> you cannot. The promise of God is if you are seeking for Him, you will only find Him on the condition that you search for Him with what? All your heart. I don't know if you pray like this. Lord, will you please give me a job? And, I don't know. I don't think you will give it. What kind of heart do you have? Lord, will you give me someone to marry? Mga single. Diba? Tall, dark, and handsome. No, maliit lang. Oh, yeah, dark and handsome na lang. Hindi handsome. Ano natira? Dark na lang. I will tell you a story. My wife has a disciple in Manila. I will not tell you their names. She was praying to God. Lord, I'm getting on in years. May, you know, show me your God's best. And there's this man in GGF. And she could not really, you know, God, I don't think he's the one. I don't think he's the one. And finally, she made a commitment to God. God, okay. 
If he's the one, okay. So they go out. That's a group. They go out. And then all of a sudden, the boy. I think this was in the mall or in the hallway. Ah, oh, oh, my, my finger. My, my, cramps, cramps, can you pull? So the girl who's praying about this comes and pulls the finger. <laughs> he farts. Yes. He farts. So the girl said, God confirmed. He's not the one. This is a person who, you know, you're, you're, you're analyzing or you're weighing, God, is this the man? He's not really that handsome, you know. As a matter of fact, when, when my wife first told me about this, this, this incident, the first thing that popped into my mind, the guy looks like Uncle Fester of the Adams family. So, ah, ah, cramps, cramps. I mean, a real fart. He was not, you know, he didn't make the sound. He really farted. <laughs> this was not a joke. He really, <laughs> man. But your heart must be fully committed to God. What if, what if, remember, Pastor Danny challenged us. God, I'm praying. He's the one. But he's not a Christian. But he's handsome. But he's not a Christian. Why did God give us that command? So that you and I would not have heart aches down the road. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Why? What does God have to do with Baal? God does not want us to encounter heartache. So God is giving us His commandments to preserve us so that we can enjoy our life with God. If you disobey, there are going to be consequences. You have to ask and then you have to seek. When God shows you, what must you do? You must obey. Faith without obedience is not faith. Because if you really believe, you will act on it. So you're praying about something and God gives you the answer? What should you do? Obey. Deuteronomy 28. And do not turn aside from any of the words which I command you today to the right or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. So here is God's command. God is telling you not to follow, not to move to the left, not to move to the right. Follow. Follow Him. And I submit to you, blessings come after you obey. Last week, the lepers, they went to Jesus, they cried out to Jesus from a distance. Rabbi, heal us. Jesus goes to them. He was not supposed to go to them. You're supposed to keep your distance. Jesus went to them. Go show yourself to the priest. I thought you would heal us instantaneously. Grabe naman. Why did you... The, the guy in the well, you said, stand up. At kami, go to the priest. Grabe naman to. I was hoping for an instantaneous healing. Why did you tell me to do something else? To go to somebody else? I went to you. But the story says, as they were going, 
as they were obeying the command of Jesus. As they turned and go to show to the priest in obedience to the command of Jesus, what happened? How many were healed? How many got saved? They were all healed. But only one got the real message. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That He is not only able to cure you of your disease, but is able to give you eternal life. Ask. Seek. Obey. And finally, decide. You must decide. I challenge you to decide today. Joshua wrote, If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will what? We will serve the Lord. Decide. No one's going to force you. You must make that decision. And I pray, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper in a while, that you will make a decision to have an undivided heart for God. Because it is key to your intimacy with the Lord. It is my prayer that this prayer I'm going to show you would not be for you. Again, that this prayer would not be for you. And you'll see in a little while why I ask you not to be this kind of person. The prayer of a half-hearted Christian. I love thy church, O God. Her walls before me stand. But please excuse my absence, Lord. This bed is simply grand. He would rather sleep in rather than go to church. A charge to keep I have, a God to glorify. But Lord, don't ask for cash from me. Thy glory comes too high. I am a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb. Yes, though I seldom pray or pay, I still insist I am. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, others, Lord, should do their part. But please, don't count on me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. O oh, loud my hymns of praise I bring, because it doesn't cost to sing. I hope, I pray, that none of us have a half-hearted heart for God. You have to ask. You have to seek. You have to obey, but you have to decide. This morning we will celebrate the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to deviate a little bit from what we usually do. I'm going to ask you to spend some quiet moments as I'm going to play a song for you later on. And ask God, if you have not yet come to the point 
of committing your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, if you've not yet been born again, if you've not asked Jesus to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, and assure you of a place in heaven, then commit your heart to the Lord. If you have already committed your heart to the Lord, then ask as you listen to the song, Is my heart really undivided towards God? And the men will now distribute the elements. The bread and the juice, they're the same. Nothing happens to them. But they're symbolic of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And as you hold the bread and the juice in your hands, this is just between you and the Lord. But make a solemn commitment to the Lord. Make a solid commitment to the Lord. If you've not yet received Him as your Lord and Savior, commit. Commit your life to Jesus and just say, Jesus, I understand that apart from you, I have no way to be saved. And I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come in. I commit my life to you. Do with it what you would want to do with it. If you already have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and in struggling in the area of commitment, talk to God. Seek Him. He's looking for you. And He wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to prosper you. But most important of all, He wants to be intimate with you. I'm going to play this song and use this time. Use this time to meditate. Your personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and your personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ that you commit to follow Him no matter what. More than anything, more than anything, I love you, Jesus, more than your own personal commitments and let it be sealed by the celebration of the Lord's table this morning. He gave up His body. He took our sins on His body on the cross that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. He shed His blood for the remission of our sins. Tell the Lord. More than anything. More than anything. 
aside anything and everything that hinders you from coming to the feet of Jesus. the bread let's remember that Jesus Christ gave up his body he took our sins on his body on the tree if you're committed to Jesus Christ for your salvation if you're committed to Jesus Christ for how you will follow him no matter what then partake with us Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And Jesus Christ shed His blood for the forgiveness of our sins. If you're committed to Jesus, no matter what, and desire to have an undivided heart, commit this to the Lord and seal it with a symbolic juice that represents His blood. Father, thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank You for going to the cross on our behalf. You were committed to us, Lord God. May we, all of us, Lord, be committed to you for our entire life. This is our prayer, Lord, as we partake of this juice with thanksgiving in our heart. Let's partake together. Before we go to our application questions, why don't we offer a word of prayer to the Lord? Heavenly Father, your word is clear that you desire for your people to have an undivided heart. Lord, forgive us if we have strayed. Forgive us if we have allowed people or things to crowd out your Son, Jesus Christ, from our complete and total devotion. Lord, may we leave this place with a renewed commitment to follow you no matter what. Not to turn from your commands to the left or to the right, but to obey you fully. For we know, Lord God, that it is your heart and your desire that your people love you completely, fully, and with an undivided heart. Father, be blessed, be pleased, be glorified, Lord God, as we live a life of total commitment to your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen and Amen.
before we show the live application questions, I really would like to encourage everyone to participate in the discussions. We're not doing the discussion for the sake of discussions. You know, this morning I was asking my son, Dion, how do we make people or how do we make ourselves go beyond thinking? We know a lot already. How do we go from knowledge to application? My my appeal to us is let's go beyond that laboratory lecture type of approach. Let's learn to apply everything that we know. Let's le let's learn to apply what we heard this morning. It's it's such a powerful message. But if we will not apply it in our lives, it will remain just a thought or a theory. That's why our encouragement is don't miss the chance to participate in the group because as you participate in that group, that's where the application comes in and where's where the accountability is. Can you please consider participating in the discussions? Thank you. You cannot participate if there's no question. Alright? So here, I only have two, but I believe and I trust that they will be deep questions that would really challenge all of us. Is there anything or anyone hindering you from having an undivided heart for God? Anything or anyone that's preventing you from having an undivided heart towards God? Secondly, because we are a discipleship church, my second question for us is, how can your small group, how can your discussion group help you to have an undivided heart for God? And I echo the words of our Pastor Nanny. All that you hear is for naught if you're not going to sit down and open your hearts and discuss these questions. Because many times the message comes to life in the discussion group. So break out in your discussion groups now. You know who they are. If you don't know, seek and you will find. 